Hello and welcome to Hacked in the Dark, the premier podcast featuring Forge in the Dark games and their designers. My name is Mark Cleveland, I'll be your host, and I'm joined today by none other than a previous host, Justin, the lead designer on the upcoming Chew RPG. Hey everyone, it's Justin. Yay, Justin's back! <laughs> and, and for new listeners, hi, I'm Justin Ford, also known as Mothlands, or Dissonance on the Discord. I am here today to talk about a new role-playing game that I'm working on, coming to Kickstarter soon. Yeah, we're going to get in and talk about Chew, the RPG. Mm-hmm. This has some, some ties, presumably, to the comic series. That seems <laughs> very interesting to me. I have also kind of want to talk about, since you've been away a while, mm-hmm. you know, what you've been up to and whether you miss us over here. I do. I miss you very much. You know, a big reason why I, I stepped away from hosting for a little bit was to work on this project, just to make time for myself and to to focus on designing Chew. I have a big thank you for the entire listening audience of this show, actually, because I was offered the opportunity to do this tie-in RPG thanks to the very first episode of Hacked in the Dark. I happened to mention Chew as an inspiration for my Sleuth playbook, and the project manager for the game was listening, and, and they contacted me to do some work on a role-playing game for them. So thank you very much. That's such a good story. I think that some of our opportunities, we never really know when they're really being presented to us, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we were able to get that episode out that week. I think there was some uncertainty if we were going to do it that week or the next <laughs> one. You know, you never know who if they never, wouldn't have listened, you know. If, if oh, my God. Later. Some alternate timeline. I know. Yeah, maybe I don't get this opportunity. Yeah, we're all very thankful that you did in this timeline, though. <laughs> So let's talk about that a little bit more. Uh-huh. The Chew RPG food detective agency food. Wait, wait. It's I know it's sort of detective themed, but it's not the food detective agency. No. So the the role playing game is titled currently Chew Agents of the FDA because the comic, if you're not familiar, is actually centered on a world in which the bird flu pandemic killed off like 100 million people. It was like way worse than it was in real life. And as a result, poultry is banned. And the F- it's the FDA's job to make sure that it doesn't get into the food system, into, into like distribution, and to crack down on food-related crimes. Gasp. Yeah. Chicken trafficking. Oh, no. Uh-huh. Egg dealing. That sort of thing, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a big issue in the plot of the comic. Now, fortunately, there also happens to be people gifted with amazing food-based powers. They're kind of like superpowers, you know, but they're not really treated as such. They're more just treated like quirks of the character. Think Sherlock and his amazing deduction abilities. Mm, yes. So our main character in Chu, the comic, published by Image, he can eat things and know everything about its past. So like he eats a pork chop and he flashes back to the factory farms and maybe has to like spend a little time thinking about the awful awfulness of the <laughs> of the meat production sphere or industries. He eats a rutabaga and he experiences every pesticide that has been sprayed on this thing and like all of the factory workers that that 
unrooted it from the ground and the, the awful, disgusting trucks that transported it to grocery stores near you. So it's not exact. He, it's kind of a curse for him in the comic book, but um, it, it's also what gives makes him such a great special agent for the FDA's crime investigation unit. Oh, absolutely. This, uh, this psychic absorption of the food history yes. seems uh, yeah, very on, on point, you know, for a detective kind of thing, too. Yeah. What's that power called? I'm, I'm, I'm looking through. for Cybopathy? It's called Cybopathy. All of the food-based powers in this comic are nonsense Latin and Greek, words that the author, John Lehman, just kind of came up just produced out of his brain they're not they, they're they're not really particularly good latin or greek and i don't think john cares that's fine um they just yeah that's sound, fine they just sound fun and they're very long and complicated and that's really what matters oh i love that yeah i guess that's a great way to open the discussion really i i know for one of the first things i've noticed right away from some of the art and just the theming and the tone is mm-hmm. is a, a a big contrast from blades in the dark and oh yeah this being a forge in the dark title just begs the question you know how do you uh play a humorous game with this i think that starts in character creation from the sounds of it yeah it's important to note that like with everything i've, I've talked about if you might think that this is a really serious potentially comic with a weird twist but no this is this is a humor comic this is a very it's it's satire of kind of detective stories and also the traditional superpower comics chu is a grimy world if you look online at some of the images you'll probably the first thing you'll notice is that it has a really gross color palette at times and that is highly intentional i myself was a fan of the comics before being invited to be a designer on this. And, you know, it's it's actually, I'm not usually a big fan of gross-out humor, but this comic treats it a little differently than like a Ren and Stimpy or something like that. It's really in terms of having this dark, gross plot. You know, that that's where some of the dark humor comes in, is with kind of the grossness of everything. But in the end, it uses that to tell kind of just a ridiculous, bombastic story about people who are essentially detectives, you know, these FDA special investigators, but they're, they're solving the most ridiculous crimes. Yeah. Like we were saying the, the egg thief or, or, you know, yeah. Or they're like busting other people with weird food powers. Like, you know, the more they eat, the smarter they get or whatever, or maybe people who carve golems out of mashed potatoes that's actually a power in the, in the comics. Like, Ooh. they get really stupid, <laughs> and that's kind of the point. Yeah, but you can you can bury someone in mashed potatoes, right? So that's oh yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of fun to think about. Like, how do you deal with the problem that's not mashed potato related? <laughs> and like I said, there there's a lot of dark humor in this, and that kind of stuff definitely happens. There's lots of you know content warning for the comic and potentially the game regarding cannibalism because more than once people are eaten in order to fuel food-based powers. Tony Chu has to make some tough choices about whether he is going to use his own psychopathy to like solve crimes where the only evidence left might be a dead body or something like that. <laughs> so there is some weird situations that actually might be familiar to people who have played Blades in the Dark because like that dark humor kind of is reflected in the edgelordiness of, of Blades in the Dark. Let's be honest, right? <laughs> Blades in the Dark is a very edgelord game, 
And this plays into that a little bit, admittedly from a different angle of like solving crimes rather than committing them. But a lot of the same, you know, basic tenets of your missions kind of apply in this format too. Oh, that's really interesting. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think the way that, you know, you can take a commonality from a very different genre and use it here is is quite powerful, actually. I think so. I think that's where the flexibility of the Forge and Dark formula is, is that, you know, the crimes you commit in Blades are essentially just, you can generalize them to being missions of a sort. You know, you have a task, you're trying to accomplish it. There's planning, but it happens off screen, and that can be applied to all kinds of different things. Now, granted, Chu does do some novel things with that to emphasize the investigation element. In Chu, there are elements we do hand wave, but the planning does not happen off screen. We actually have to accommodate for that in the fiction because that's just so important in crime investigation stories, you know, the evidence that you're collecting and Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So we do have some novel mechanics to emphasize that. But ultimately, a lot of the elements of Blaze in the Dark are going to, it's going to make this game feel familiar. Yeah, I think that's a good thing to note so that our listeners who are very familiar with Blades will find uh, themselves at home mm-hmm. with the new Chew RPG. Let's talk about those novel things that yeah. the investigative tools. Is this is something that we might relate to already? Is there another game system that has something similar? Or is this <laughs> kind of like, we're not sure what this uh. is? pulling on anymore is it like food at the board you've caught on yeah so some of the mechanics in this game i actually developed for or helped develop for games like external containment bureau for example Mm. and also Mm -hmm. for an in progress game that i happen to be working on called that store links in the notes below (laughs) yeah we focus on the investigation quite a bit and during what is traditionally the downtime phase you will be splitting your time between on-the-clock activities where you're following leads and collecting details about the case that you're doing, and downtime activities, as we traditionally know them, off the clock. So you'll kind of take turns passing between those phases until you build up to a point where you can crack the case and solve the crime, or, or at least bring it to some kind of conclusion. Now, those are flexible, so they don't have to be a crime, that you're doing. It could be like, maybe you could be doing a crime, actually. Maybe you could be committing a crime as part of like the Jersey mob or Area 51 agents like covering up something or whatever. But inevitably, you're (laughs) going to be collecting these details. You're going to be investigating. You're going to be figuring out the best plan of action. And then you're going to be committing to that plan and seeing where it goes wrong. These are things that might be familiar to people who backed ECB in our Kickstarter. And maybe if you did, you, you probably received your books already and your content. But I found that element of, of that game very fun. And we're going to be using it and exploring that further, a bit a bit further in Chu, which is going to be, you know, a like 200 plus page book as opposed to a 50 page scene. I'm really excited to extrapolate on that. Oh, yeah. There seems to be a lot of potential Like if you think about external containment bureau, which we did feature on stream Mm -hmm. recently uh, to exemplify some of those mechanics, if people want to check that out, they can see sort of a preview, I guess, of the roots of this design that comes from the zine and Mm -hmm. seeing that extrapolated into a comedy type 
feel just seems yeah. like a blast. That just seems like a blast because now it's not just that you're coming up with a weird myriad connectivity between the mm -hmm. clues to try to make it work. It's like you can go ham with it. Yeah. And if the dice roll well, then it's we all laughing at the end. <laughs> and mind you, ECV can be comedic too. Yeah. The key is really in the details. And I, I use that word in, in two different ways, like both the mechanic and the like, you know, the actual word. In the sense that, like, the building blocks for each mystery, in the case of Chu, are just much more absurd. <laughs> so you might be solving a crime where the the killer is using jello-based, like, weaponry or something to, to murder people and, like, leave behind no evidence, right? Like, it's like the classic icicle, you know, killing someone with an icicle conundrum or whatever. And so you have to go in and resolve that. And then the factions at play are going to also be very silly and ridiculous. You know, they're going to be food trucks with absurd names, or there might be weird explanations that play into the strange food-based powers that people have, etc. And whether you come at that with like, you know, the straight man style of, you know, blank-faced humor, or whether you come at that with a really bombastic, weird character the absurdity of it all is really what where the humor arises from that and the puns because <laughs> there's going to be a lot of puns in this game yes uh it was quite punishing to read through the yeah. early material but i, I loved it I, I was laughing smirking at times mm -hmm. with a wry smile uh, let's talk about about the playbooks the different characters you can play because mm -hmm. it seems like there's more than just the detective type yeah so could you elaborate on some of the niches that our characters might be filling? So in Chu, we quickly identified when we were imagining what this game might be, the kind of crux of the comics themselves, which is that they are a police procedural, essentially. They're your classic like detective story. They're like CSI mixed with, you know, a bit of Miami Vice kind of a style action. Ooh, but just, yeah. you know, centered around absurd food-based puns. Um, so, so to me, that's what the playbooks need to reflect is that that's what they are. And the kinds of characters you can be reflects the kind of people that you see in those stories, not just the main characters, but in, in the Chu, the comics, Tony Chu, the main character of the comics, everyone around him gets involved in his investigations and his schemes, including his family. And so that's reflected in playbooks like the mascot or even like or even the expert in the comic book. Tony Chu's brother, for example, is a master chef who has no involvement with the FDA, but frequently gets wrapped up in his in his investigations because, you know, the villain threatens his life or kidnaps his daughter or whatever, you know, that kind of a thing. And more often than not, there are civilians who are investigating these crimes, too, because they were they become trapped in Tony's antics somehow. And so, like, we also have people like the veteran who is a, who's like a veteran agent. The Wronged is one of the most interesting playbooks to me from a conceptual level. They're essentially inspired by some of the burned agents that we see in Chu who have betrayed the FDA but then maybe eventually come back to it or what have you, or maybe they're burned by some other agency entirely. And so they're enacting some vendetta against like a, a villain 
per se. So yeah, there's there's all kinds of different playbooks that don't just focus on being a special investigator necessarily. And in fact, you know, special agent is just one of the many backgrounds that you can choose from in the game. So we want to cover the the wide array of characters that we see in in the comics. And I think we've succeeded. Oh, yeah, that's uh, very interesting. We get a much more of a slice of life kind of Mm -hmm. look at the characters, it seems. Whereas, you know, the characters in Blades can feel very isolated from the rest of the world. Yeah. Due to their Mm -hmm. criminality, you know. In Blades, the playbooks are each like, if, if you imagine a heist movie, whenever they, in the montage shots, when they're introducing the cast and they have underneath their name, their role in the gang, that's what the playbooks are in Blades in the Dark. This is a little different. This is a little more like their position in the larger cast of the film. It seems like you get to elaborate a lot on the roles that those other characters might be playing in our heads. Like, you know, if you're reading through the comics, you're like, well, the chef, what was he doing? Mm-hmm. And so you can kind of, you know, see how that can be very interesting to connect and also to expand the cast of this TV show in our heads about the FDA. Right. One comparison I like to make is actually to Scooby-Doo because, because like, it's just a very different, you know, it has a police procedural kind of format, but it's, it's a humorous show done for a very different audience, right? In that show... You have characters who represent like the inspector, you know, the person collecting the evidence. You have people who are playing like the mascot, the the kind of bumbly characters who just stumble upon evidence. And then you have people who are playing like the hotshot, the one who will beat up the villain or like catch them, but isn't all that smart necessarily or or important to like actually resolving the case. That's kind of what we're going for is these bigger archetypes that you find in these detective and police procedural stories and embodying them in the themes of the game, of the comic, rather. Very interesting. So what about the game do you think really supports this the most in terms of like rewards for the characters? Is there some kind of a system that you got going there to try to like double down on that and encourage the humor? In terms of rewards, well, we're kind of adopting your classic blade style reward system of xp you know at the end of the session i do bring a little bit of that ecb charm into it where your department head your boss essentially is the one who kind of rewards you with this stuff that is actually kind of a theme in the comic is tony chu always has to answer to his boss at the end of a case and frequently he's on the wrong side of that in fact his his boss famously like hates him even though he's the best agent in the in the entire fda and i wanted to play him with that a little bit but to me the reward for playing a game of chew is just like the kind of hijinks that you get into and that you get caught up in so one of the things that we've we've included in this game to kind of differentiate characters is whenever you choose a character one of the things you'll do is establish your trouble which is just like your own personal problem that reoccurs over and over again. And you can you can bring your trouble into different scenes to complicate it, to like fuel devil's bargains or different perks that you pick up. 
And there's been some really fun anecdotes of people doing that throughout the game that I always love to hear. And that's that's one of the XP triggers is, is whether or not you've done you've brought in your trouble into the session. Ah, that's interesting. So mm-hmm. that is a very direct reward for bringing in the trouble. I guess then the guidance for trouble is bring something in that you're going to have fun with. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we want to highlight that both in Chu and in Forge in the Dark games, players are rewarded for or and should be rewarded for like living dangerously at least you know as so long as the themes support that but this is how we do that instead of the classic uh blades version of you know rewarding xp for for desperate actions in chu you kind of reward yourself by directly you know playing into your own personal dilemmas i guess we could say So now I have to ask you, like I feel obliged, Mm -hmm. what is your favorite story about one of these, these flaws coming to bear? What do you think is the funny, your favorite one? So one of the other things we've included in this game is, is we've really changed up the harm system. It's now condition based system. And you can, you can clear your conditions. Basically, as you gather conditions, you fall more and more into kind of a self-destructive archetype. The conditions are manipulative, ruthless, impulsive, and cocky. And as you like select them, uh, your position really suffers in any action rolls that you do. In one instance that I know of, a player was planning on clearing one of these conditions by really playing into it. And the condition required at the time required that they, they refuse the aid of another player. So another player offered to help them in an action roll. And they refused to, but then that player responded by, and there was a conversation about it, responded by bringing their their trouble into the scene and really making it that much worse for the person to like refuse their help. And this is an this was an entirely mechanical thing that I'm talking about in how I'm talking about it now. But you know, it, it was all based in in the plot of what was happening at the time. But that person then kind of had to renege on <laughs> they had to keep that condition because they they eventually needed to like they needed to get every ounce of help they could because that person had brought had just made this scene like dramatically worse by bringing in their their trouble into the situation and and really complicated in the scene and that's kind of what I want to see is like this cascades of mechanics and narrative beats like making people really rethink their action their course of action um, but if you're if you're asking like how I've seen trouble, yeah, like what's what's the favorite trouble that you've seen someone bring forward? Oh goodness! Well, my favorite bit that I've seen is like someone decided that their trouble was going to be like a classic mummy style curse kind of a thing, <laughs> which was very strange, <laughs> um, but like in line with like you know comic book style plots, right? And so whenever their trouble would come up they would bring the mummy's curse down upon themselves, essentially. And (laughs) that was a very difficult, but like funny thing to like bring as the GM to bring into each of those beats. Because I could go, this isn't a game where like, even though there's food-based powers, magic doesn't necessarily exist, you know, technically in the setting. So it was like very weird to like be bringing in like these, these, points of bad luck on his part that would really make things 
terrible for him but we're just like he wanted to play with that so yeah the the mummies are food-based by the way so like it was it it, it played into some of the food-based themes of the game but it was it was very fun well this definitely reminds me of an opportunity for you to say less right it's almost like well why is there a mummy streaming out of the closet right when when we're in we're in the school you know what I mean? Like, well, that happened because it was more like it was more like, why do I open my locker at the FTA and and there's this weird fetish just hanging out here, you know, collect like bugs buzzing around it, uh, and I have to explain to my coworker why why I have why this thing just materialized, you know, out of nowhere, and uh, maybe it implicates me in in something bad, you know, because like this mummy's curse didn't just come from nowhere, right? Yeah, but then again, yeah, it's fun to like kind of leave it open. It's just like when the animators, you know, they draw it on the screen and we see it and yes. we don't necessarily know why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we don't necessarily know why, but we're, we're there for it. <laughs> 100%. I love that. That also brings me to another point. It's, you've mentioned a couple times the ties to Tony Chu mm-hmm. from the comics. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? What can fans of the comics expect to find in here references to that or even to the expansions on the storylines things like that well part of the kickstarter is there's actually going to be two books and i am you know i'm the designer for the game i'm doing a lot of the writing in terms of like the rules material but there's other people involved in creating cool missions and in tying a lot of the game material in with the world of Chu. So all of our factions, a lot of the example characters and many of the examples of like action in the book are going to be tied into official characters and locations and and factions from the comic books. People, you know, if you scroll through the factions, like there's the FDA, the USDA, NASA. <laughs> there's there's all of like the the agencies you see depicted in the comics doing weird shit. But there's also like, you know, the vampire who is one of the big antagonists throughout the comic uh, represented. There will be missions that play into some of the plots of the book. Um, if you want, we will probably have, you know, pre-gen characters that are essentially the official characters from the comic mocked up for you to play Ooh. as if you would like. And there might very well be like tie-ins to some of the weird conspiracies that we see unfolding throughout the comic, um, which is a big part of playing the campaign as well as like playing, resolving these conspiracies that are drawing you into a deeper and deeper interconnected plotline. Fantastic. That sounds mm-hmm. like a bundle of goodness for two fans. Yeah, I hope so. Now, mind you, like a lot of what I am doing personally is just making sure that the mechanics of the game really support some of the humorous themes so humor writing is like not i wouldn't even say it's like a specialty of mine but being a fan of this comic i am very in touch with the brand of humor that permeates it you know john layman is the writer but a lot of the humor of the game actually, in my opinion, lies with the art of Rob Guillory, who in every scene of the comic, if you ever pick up and open this thing up, like in every panel, he has some like joke in the background. That's like a food related pun that is like just uh, an image that is playing on some classic film or comic book or like he makes the world 
ridiculous. And that's kind of what I wanted to do with my design. So that's why like all of the perks, which are the equivalent of like special abilities in the game, have stupid, ridiculous names like clucking wild or (laughs) or what have you. (laughs) Why all of the approaches are food puns. So that's kind of how I have injected humor into this is just painting it into the background of the mechanics of the game. Yeah, that sounds like a blast. I (laughs) think the food puns are a nice touch. Like you said, the approaches, that's interesting. Uh, You've got like hard-boiled is one. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. They're really dumb, but but that's kind of like the approaches especially are very dumb food puns, but that's kind of the energy of like the comic is is to present to you this dark kind of grimy plot that is just made absurd by the ridiculousness of the dad humor in the background (laughs) and that like permeates (laughs) the comic book so if you enjoy that kind of humor you might enjoy this this game even without any experience with the comic book yeah if you want to dig in and be a picky eater to get through your challenges Yes. Or just be vanilla, vanilla as hell, Mm -hmm. (laughs) then play this game. (laughs) I was actually pretty sparing with how many of the Blades mechanics I changed because you don't want to confuse fans of the uh, Blades in the Dark by like just changing everything. It was very difficult not to do that, mind you. But yeah, like stress in this game is is appetite it's like your appetite to to continue to continue the investigation to push forward and solve these difficult crimes that are really might be completely destructive to your home life that you might be spending way too much time ideating on that kind of stuff as you dig in which is like the push equivalent you lose your appetite and eventually you like burn out and have to find ways to recover that. And similarly, like whenever you create a character, one of the important things that you do is you choose three approaches. I think my favorite approaches would have to be just the most stupid ones. So like personally, I writing this game, I felt like a big corn dog. (laughs) And I know (laughs) if I were to create a character, I would love to to create one who is 100% raw and just, you know, is honest to a fault. That kind of a thing. And, and a the, raw corn dog. Yes, yeah. a raw, a 100% raw corn dog. Oh, God. <sighs> and one of the ways they work for the game, in my opinion, the approaches specifically, is they make your character feel very tropey, which is part of the essence of humor, honestly, is playing into these larger-than-life like tropes that everyone can kind of laugh at. Well, I think this is also interesting from a mechanics perspective, because what I see that you've done is you've taken this stress fiction of pushing yourself and then reflavored that Mm -hmm. to now we can plug in what trait we want to be this quirky thing and bring it forward. You know, that's that's really interesting. Yeah. You know, we can overestimate like how much you need to account for the humor necessarily in the mechanics of the game. In some sense, the mechanics like the humor is just the flavor, right? <laughs> the flavor. <Huh. laughs> the very fact that this is a game that centers itself around food-based puns and the whole like ridiculous premise of the game is really where most of the humor comes from. So in that sense, I had it easy 
But one of the more difficult things to realize during the design process of the game was, is that enough? Where can the mechanics really reflect the humor of the game? And, and like I said, approaches are a big part of that. Finding ways to make the characters feel more like cutout people <laughs> in, what, in a certain sense, like in a kind of a theatrical sense. You know, in comedies, the characters often fall into these very basic archetypes. And so that's kind of where I wanted you to start in character creation. And, and hopefully that's successful. Let's transition a bit to talking about the conditions themselves, because those seem to be sort of important <laughs> to, uh, to storylines. Uh, they're, yeah. they're basically the equivalent of a trauma. Is that right? Conditions are actually more equivalent to harm in Blades in the Dark, I would say. Okay, so they don't last. They don't last. They go away after a while. Correct. You can spend downtime activities treating them, or actually each one in, in Chu, each one has a narrative condition that you can meet, a trigger, essentially, that will clear it for you. But they're all kind of, they all require you to act in like kind of self-destructive ways. So conditions are, you know, I didn't invent the idea of conditions, nor nor did I invent the idea of using them for Blades in the Dark. There's plenty of other Forged in the Dark games that use conditions and you should check them out. And they all work a little differently. Absolutely. In Chu, your conditions are specifically, you have four. You have manipulative, ruthless, impulsive, and cocky. And respectively, those each apply to one of the four attributes, which are charm, guts, instinct, and training. The idea being that when you roll one of those attributes, if you suffer from a condition, your character, they are what your condition is. So like if, you, if you're going to roll charm, you role play that out as a little more of a manipulative fashion than you would otherwise. You might be annoyed or exhausted. And so like you're, you're resorting into this more base, you know, destructive instinct to get what you want. And if you want to clear that condition, you can really play into it and lie to an ally, for example. And just like with the trouble, the idea is to kind of create these narrative moments that are in line with um, some of the most fun scenes from the comic or from like a, a, a crime procedural show where we see people giving into base urges or like doing the wrong thing because it's going to get them what they want. We see a lot of this in like, you know, CSI or like <laughs> appropriately Hannibal, the television show where like the detective isn't always doing the right thing. They're often, you know, cheating or like maybe even manufacturing evidence to kind of like manipulate the situation and and get what they want. And in this case, we're kind of we're kind of creating those narrative beats with conditions. Yeah, I think I first saw conditions uh, in masks or something. Yeah. They were similar, but a little mm -hmm. different for sure. Masks is absolutely like the inspiration for this particular version of conditions. Like when I was developing them, I specifically looked to masks and thought about how I might represent that in a Forge in the Dark game. And I have my own quibbles with the condition system and masks that I think I avoided here. But, <laughs> but I do really like how... In that game, they, as well, conditions result in narrative beats. And that's kind of what I wanted out of a, a harm system, I guess you could say. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Also, the gear seems to be quite a bit different from gear we might expect in a Blades in the Dark themed game, even. Uh, yeah. yeah this, is, this is things like puppy dog eyes, 
or a winning smile. Yes. This is something I, as a designer, am just a fan of is like metaphysical gear, you know, like gear that's not like just objects, but maybe something that you have that's special <laughs> that you possess. And in this case, it's they're all tied into the tropes of the characters that you're playing. So the hot shot has adoring fans potentially or cool shades, which especially in a comedy game, you can imagine how those might play out. One interesting side effect of the comedy element is like comedy is very permissive. So some of the things that, you know, a player might try to to argue for in the Blades in the Dark game that the GM would kind of look askance at, like, really, you're going to try and pull that on me? Work <laughs> in a game of Chew because we're supposed to encourage players to kind of play, be creative and like push the boundaries of what they can do and get away with. <laughs> Yeah, excellent. So, so in this way, the playbook gear is more of like a guide for like what what kind of fictional quips you can pull out against your GM, so to speak. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, like I want to see characters be ridiculous. And for example, um, the inspector is equipped with nutritional information. Fascinating. And I want to see someone use that for something weird. You know, like I want to see someone <laughs> pick up a, you know, uh, put a glove on their hand, you know, press it into the sludge coming out of the weird factory, the Chog factory, and like press it to their lips and then rattle off <laughs> like the ingredients in this thing, in this, in this sludge, right? Like that's what I want to see happen. The, I want to see the mascot you know, show us those puppy dog eyes and walk their way through a situation that normally would require a role, but like they're just so adorable that, you know, someone lets them off the hook, that kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah, they were going to have to manufacture a lie and do all this other stuff. Now mm -hmm. they just see those beaming eyes. Correct. And uh, Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also like the fact that nutrition information seems like a, a valid tool for interrogation to me. <laughs> That's that's what came to mind for me. <laughs> yes, it, it is. Tell actually. me what's really in the Kool-Aid, you know? Yeah. What's in the box? <laughs> that classic. Yeah, there's three unaccounted for grams of sugar <laughs> here. So clearly yes. there's something secret going on. <laughs> we'll catch you soon. Uh-huh. It really puts a <laughs> that twist sounds on, fascinating. Yeah, on that. That's for sure. Yeah, that sounds like a blast. The interesting thing that I noted on one of the abilities and... I have mm -hmm. to use profanity because it's in the name of the ability. Yes. Is the shit list. Uh-huh. Yeah, so this is interesting. Uh, keep a list of anyone who's wronged you and gain effect when you act to undermine them. Yeah. And and then it's got like the sacrifice thing, basically, from, from the cult playbook, where <laughs> you're going to recover appetite when you cross them off your list. Yes. Oh, my. Oh my, this is this is a hit list. It, it is a hit list, but mind you, a creative player could decide like they're going to make amends with everyone on their shit list. That's a valid interpretation of that move. But you're right. No, it's really more about killing them uh, and, and getting them across. Well, to be fair, it says that. Yeah, it says that right there. <laughs> yeah. Will you put them in the ground or make amends? Yes. So now you're right. Like, especially the fact that this is a perk that belongs to the wronged is definitely implies that you're going to murder them or eat them or eat them. This is actually an exciting perk for me to talk about because it lets me talk a little bit about something I'm excited for, for the game. 
which is uh, a concept I played a little bit with with ECB, but the cork board is actually very important to chew. This is how you're going to organize your, your cases. And it's kind of like a gaming artifact that you and your players get to play with around the table. That's both like a note-taking space, but also like an illustration of your hijinks. And so this is where you get to put like pictures representing each of the crimes that you're investigating and organize each of the details that you're collecting, as well as all the character information and even like your lines and veils. And if you can imagine something from the classic detective film where someone has like red twine going between all this stuff, that's exactly the kind of imagery we're invoking. And many of the mechanics in the game specifically play into putting things on the cork board or taking them off, etc. Including your people on your shit list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, oh, right. So that will inform the cork board, give you another D6, I guess, try to, to yes. solve the case if you bring them in. Correct. Ah, that's fascinating. The uh, other thing that I really like about this too is the way that, you know, you could tie the details you want to highlight with your cork board. It seems that that is a lot more narrative power going to the players that we don't see in a lot of these detective mystery type games. Right. The corkboard is kind of a way to encourage players, you know, as opposed to the GM, to involve themselves in like plot creation. Because I think we know, you and I know, Mark, that that is a big strength of Forge of the Dark Games is that they're very player driven, that players have a lot of say in where the plot of the story goes and what plot beats are hit. And one of the things that is really important for me about Chu is because it's a tie-in game, kind of like the recent Avatar The Last Airbender PBTA game, we think it's going to bring in a lot of people who are more who are fans of the, the series first and then RPG players second. And so the corkboard is one way to subtly like influence new players to, to be comfortable with creating story to create narrative for themselves yeah one of the ways we do this is i guess we bring in all of these various traits that we've mentioned through the character creation but also by how you choose to crack the case which i think is really pretty fantastic yeah you know even if you're someone who's not immediately comfortable creating all this fiction you know if you're something who needs a lot of help like you are going to have a say in where the plot goes when it comes time to crack investigate those crimes or crack the case because inherently those mechanics involve getting your hands dirty i guess <laughs> with the plot that's the best way i can put it but every mechanic i think in this game as far as like advancing the story re kind of requires that players influence that they're honest with where they want the story to go and so a lot of where what I'm doing with the design of the game is making sure that that feels good, that that's seamless, that we hold someone's hand if they need it whenever they're kind of trying to make these decisions and lead them to like a fertile creative space. Oh, right. Yeah, there's definitely room to build on the accessibility of uh, Blades in the Dark and Forge in the Dark games from those outside, you know, those uninitiated. Yeah, that's actually a good way to put it is like, I think Blades does great at these things I'm talking about, but there aren't necessarily mechanics to specifically like 
teach people like now mind you some of the mechanics i feel like do a great job of subtly teaching players how to do these things but there aren't like explicit like mechanical elements that kind of teach players how to be creative participants in the story per se right this ties that together in a nice way i'm looking at the crack the case uh, move or I guess phase mm-hmm. of the game. Yeah, it kind of is like an engagement role. Yeah, this is is the equivalent in Blades. It's yeah. to take you back out of the problem thing to resolve it, though, as opposed to opening the situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I could just go through that real quick, it looks like once you add up the dice for the various elements, which include the suspect, the method, and the motive, you present your theory. Uh, we roll those dice, and then if they're good, then you've already basically cracked the case and it'll all be over soon. But if not, what happens when it's not good? Yeah, on a critical hit, like you kind of avoid the action. You've done such a good job with the investigation and with planning your arrest or whatever of the suspect that like you just do it. But if you don't, there are holes in your case. It's not quite like an ECB where it directly is about the theory that you make being wrong per se, but it is it is in the sense that like, the villain might have outwitted you in a particular detail, or maybe some of the evidence they left was a red herring, that kind of a thing. Yeah, the unexpected bit, even we thought it was going to be this thing, but then when you pull the mask off, it's somebody else, and you're like, oh no, this this is that Scooby-Doo moment, right? Correct. Yeah, that's exactly what that is. Yeah, we yeah. accused the mayor, but it turned out to be... Yeah, 100%. There's even the opportunity here for, like, the villain to potentially get away, you know? Like, if you do really bad on one of these roles, in which case you probably will still have to deal with some nonsense, you know, some you'll, there will be some action to be had, but maybe at the end of it you're left with a note being like, ha-ha, you know, catch me next time, FDA, I guess. <laughs> like, that's the kind of plot beats we're going for here is, is like, the kinds you see in serial cartoons and, and what have you. Yeah, somebody throws lemons at you, leaves you with that sour taste, and you have to go chase them down. I don't know. (laughs) Once again, to draw us back to one of our touchstones, like, you see this a lot in Scooby-Doo, per se, even though they usually catch the person at the end. But you also see this in Hannibal again, where the titular character Hannibal cannot be caught, you know, in the course of the show because they're prequels to the movie. And so... Oftentimes he will he will successfully misdirect the agents to someone else or he will interfere in whatever act crime they're actually investigating at that moment and lead them in the totally the wrong direction, that kind of a thing. And that's where like a bad role, that's the kind of plots that you can get into whenever you you fail to crack the case. Uh, yes, the continuing continuing case right. with your longstanding escaping like Carmen San Diego type scenario. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 100%. That person becomes kind of like a recurring villain if they consistently get away from you. Where can people find more about the Chu RPG? So probably the best place to go for information about the Chu RPG is actually imagininggames.com. That's just the two words just smashed together. And that is the publishing company I'm working with that's run by my friends and and working partners, Peter Petrusha and Mitch Wallace. So you'll see updates there, but also you can actually follow the Kickstarter now 
if you go to chew the role-playing game <laughs> with, with dashes in between each word on kickstarter.com where you'll you'll be able to follow us and get notified as soon as it comes out now if you're listening to this it will already be released and you can go there and back it i actually just today got a whiff of what <laughs> see I'm, I'm just putting food food puns and just everything i do now um you can catch a you can catch a whiff of our backer rewards and we have some really fun stuff uh i personally am really excited for just some of the add-ons and some of the announcements that we're going to have for stretch goal writers in particular by this time you should you should see that banana chan who is a popular indie rpg writer and designer is going to do some of our some missions for the book at the $12,500 reward level. And we're going to have a bunch of stuff like that. There's also like silly stuff like lapel pins and cool printouts and stuff like that. But there you are. Wow, those sound fantastic. I'm sure you'll blow through your goals. God, I hope so. I have a feeling this is going to do really well, you know, because we don't have a lot in this design space already for Forge in the Dark games. No, I was talking with this with Peter actually recently where... There really are not, like, we just had big successes with yeah, the Avatar game, right? But in the PBTA and Forge in the Dark Space, like, I don't know of very many property tie-in games. We see a lot of that coming out of some, some more trad, you know, systems, like the One Ring and stuff like that. But There was the Wendy's game. Yeah, there was the Wendy's game. But are there any Forge in the Dark tie-in games? I don't think so. This might be the first, actually. Are there? Yeah. Uh, the official tie-in games to comics, I don't think there are many. And Well, to any property, to any, to any existing property, I don't know that there are any. I suspect a lot of our listeners won't be familiar with Chew. That's just, you know, comics. I love comics. I love indie comics. I love Chew. But, like, their reach is a lot different. You know, the reach of books and comics is a lot smaller than of, like, film, for example. But... Chu has been on the New York Times bestseller list before. Like this is a this is a pretty big property that I'm excited to be a part of, and it's amazing that I was invited to be a part of it by Peter, who who has connections with like Gen Con and other spaces where he he was able to get in touch with John Lehman, the author, and the author is involved in this, even though he's not doing writing for the book. Like he's the one who commissioned this project, so. I'm really excited to be a part of it. I am excited for the possibilities as well. I have a feeling this is going to do rather well. And hopefully our listeners get over to the Kickstarter page to back the project while it is live. Please back us. And show us that there's demand for official tie-in games <laughs> in the Forge of the Dark Space. Because if you ask me, it's great that they chose this system for this particular game. And I want to see more tie-in products where people actually like, you know, chose the right system. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Alien. Ah. Uh, even though I've heard even though I've heard good things about that game. But <laughs> like there's definitely uh there's definitely been some tie-in games that have been announced recently, specifically for 5e that maybe are questionable. This isn't one of those. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting when that happens. We're we're excited mm -hmm. though to see that the the fantastic tie-in of the, all the themes and the freedom that you get from Forge in the Dark games. Awesome. 
So if you are too, go ahead and head on over to the uh, websites. We've got the links in the show notes below. And also, if you've gotten this far through the podcast, be sure to share this and give us a follow if you're not already. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's been my pleasure to bring you another episode from Hacked in the Dark, the best place to hear about new Forge in the Dark games and their designers. Remember, when it comes to design, we all begin our journey as Hacks in the Dark. (laughs) 